0: Well, it was my first time ever going to Chipotle, and if you've never been to Chipotle, it's a place where you can get a burrito the size of your face, and that is as incredible as it sounds, and somehow even more so. I was in Columbus, Ohio with some friends of mine, and we were heading to... uh, uh, Chipotle right outside of the Ohio State University where they went to school at the time and and on the way to Columbus they're like you've never been to Chipotle? I'm like no they're like well we've got to go to Chipotle and as we were driving to Chipotle we got stuck behind a vehicle of somebody who was clearly a confused individual because you're either a cat person or a dog person but you can't be both and uh, judging off the bumper stickers of the car in front of us this person was both like this side was dedicated to the cats this side was dedicated to the dogs I just assume it was a person, maybe it was a marriage in turmoil, I'm not really sure, but you had the cat bumper stickers over on this side, and you had the dog bumper stickers over on this side, and, and they, f- they were right in front of us, and they turned into Chipotle, and we turned into Chipotle, and they got in line in front of us, and if you've never been to Chipotle, it can be a little bit overwhelming, because right off the bat, you have to decide whether or not you want a burrito whether or not you want a bowl, which is a burrito without the shell. I don't know what the point of that is. Or you can get a salad. Those were the options that you could get at the time. I know they've expanded their menu some since then. But at the time, those were the options that you could get. And after you decide that, then you have to decide whether you want beans, whether you want... Uh, veg- fajita vegetables, and then you have to decide your protein. So you have a choice of steak, you have a choice of chicken, you have a choice of barbaco, and a couple others at the time. And again, I know they've expanded their menu since. And then there's four different kinds of salsa, and then sour cream, cheese, and lettuce. And it can be overwhelming if you've never been there, because it's not something that you sit down and order. You walk up to the stand and order like Subway, only much, much better. And sorry if you own a subway. It just is. So we we went and and the person in front of us, dog-cat person, got up to the line. And the, the worker from Chipotle, earning marginally over minimum wage, said, what would you like? And there was just silence. And they started staring like at each other back and forth. It reminded me of an old Western movie, like right before The Duel. There was just this intense stare down as the person behind the counter is asking the customer what they wanted, and they had no idea. Now, if you ever find yourself in that situation where you find yourself at a Chipotle or a restaurant like Chipotle, and you don't know what you want, well, check the start of the line, because oftentimes they'll have menu cards there. But another thing you could do, if you ever find yourself in that situation, is go ahead. I haven't made up my mind yet. But that did not occur. And so we were behind this person as they continued to just be, just be caught in this moment of indecision. And finally they decided upon a burrito. And now we got to the protein question. And we had the same stare down. And it was like this every single station. We got to the salsas, and I was pretty sure Jesus was going to come back before this person made a decision on what kind of salsa they wanted on their burrito. I am still fascinated that we ever made it out of that Chipotle. And finally, finally the worker at Chipotle said to the customer, you're just going to have to make a decision. You're just going to have to decide what you want. And in life, there are times we get to the point where you just have to make a decision. You just have to decide what you want. And that's what we're going to be looking about the, at this morning. So if you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us in the Bible app. It's a free resource that you can find in the app store of your choosing by typing in Bible if you have a traditional Bible, app, a traditional Bible with you. You can go to the New Testament book of 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. Just to catch you up where we've been in this journey of brand new over the course of the last couple months, we saw that at the moment somebody makes a decision to follow Jesus, they're a brand new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And God changes us and he changes us to our core at the moment we make the decision to follow Jesus. But God's work in us is not done at the time that we've made the decision to follow him. God is still invested and engaged in our lives. And not only that, but Jesus is actually mediating between us and God. Jesus is taking us to God the Father. He is advocating on our behalf. And all of this happens not because we're incredible, not because we're awesome, not because we can buy it or earn it in any way. All of this happens because it's a gift of God and something called grace. And the result of this being from grace doesn't give us a license to go have our lives look like hell, even though our destination is heaven. But the the result of our lives should be a life of gratitude and a life of appreciation, that we live our lives trying to honor and follow after God in light of everything that he's done for us, not to earn our salvation, but in appreciation of our salvation. That God is for us, that he is involved in our lives, he's engaged in our lives, and he loves us and he is for us. He wants the best for us. That he's given us all gifts, and those gifts are to bring us closer to him and to bring each other closer to him and then last week we saw that the life of following Jesus is not just a giant list of things that we can't do, just a bunch of just a bunch of rules and regulations of things we have to make sure that we no longer do. Yes, there are things as a result of following Jesus that we shouldn't do, but the Christian life was never meant to just be refrain from this and restrain yourself from this, but there are things we have to put on as well as a result of following Jesus. That, yeah, there are things we take off, but there are also things that we put on that enhance our relationship with God. So that's where we've been. And today we go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 12, where we read these words Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving. And being deceived. Let me read these verses again. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So, right off the bat, what we see is living a life that honors God, living a godly life is a choice. It's an individualistic choice that you have to make. Nobody can make it for you. Your parents can't make it for you. Your kids can't make it for you. Your grandparents can't make it for you. It is a choice that is ultimately up to you and you alone. Will I honor God with my life? That's the the first thing you have to answer. That is up to you. And if you desire to make a a life that honors God, if you desire to make godly choices in your life, if you desire that your life would look more and more like Jesus, and you die to yourself and elevate what Jesus calls you to do, and you work in that process, if that is the aim and the goal of your life, again, it it starts with a choice that you have to make. But if you make that choice, then you just have to know right off the bat you're going to face opposition. There are going to be people who don't accept you. There are going to be people who don't understand your choice. There are going to be people who don't understand why you live your life in the way that you live your life. And it might not always make sense to you, I mean, we, we can kind of look out at culture and we kind of understand that many of the things that as people who want to live our lives honoring God, many of those things seem to fly in the face of culture right now, so we can kind of understand there being a little heartburn, a little heartache from culture towards us, but, but we, we can understand this principle of persecution. We can understand it intellectually. In our minds, we can understand the fact that if I live a life that, I, that is built to honor God, and I live a life trying to honor God with my choices, I'm going to face opposition. We can understand that intellectually, but when we face it, and when it happens, it can impact us. Because it moves from an intellectual exercise to our reality. And when it moves from the intellectual nature of it into our reality, it can, it can impact us and it can cause us to take a step back and to question, is this even worth it? Is this really what I want my life to look like? Why is this the case? And what we have to be prepared of and prepared for it's just recognizing right off the bat if I make the choice to honor God with my life, if I do the things that God wants me to do, there are going to be people who don't understand it and there are going to be people who oppose me every step of the way. Opposition is guaranteed. And here's something to encourage you with even more. It's only going to get worse. The world's only going to get worse, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. This is why I can't understand for the life of me why anybody would ever choose to be a politician. Why do you want to run for office? Good luck, buddy. No matter what you do, the world's going to get worse. All right? Good luck with your reelection campaign. All right? No matter, just understand we're on a spiral. We're on a spiral, and it's only going to get worse. Worse. Now, intellectually, we can we can know that I'm gonna face persecution. And intellectually, we can see that okay, there are people out there and the world's only gonna get worse, and there are there are deceivers. But we're in this time where everything's gotten so personal and everything's everything's become a war in our minds of, of people that disagree with us and, and people that, that live their lives differently than us. I I just want to ask you a question. In light of this, in light of what, what we've just seen yeah, things are going to spiral and get worse, and yeah, there are people out there whose cause it is to deceive. Did we catch the end part of this? Because what we see from 1 Timothy 3.13 is the reason that the world's going to get worse, and the reason that they're trying to deceive is because they themselves are being deceived. And do we have the same heart as the heart of Jesus when He looked out on the crowds that would reject Him? He looked out on them and He had had compassion for them. His heart broke for them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I wonder, do we look out at our society, on the people that aren't trying to honor God with their lives, on the people that oppose us for trying to honor God with our lives, on the people that would persecute us, on the people that would speak out against us, do we look out and do we see them with the same heart and the same eyes that Jesus sees them? And if we do, our response has to be one of sympathy and empathy. Because when we see them with the same eyes and the same heart of Jesus, we see that the reason, the ultimate reason for their deception, is they themselves are being deceived. And so, as people that follow Jesus, let's make sure that we keep this at the forefront of our hearts and of our minds that when we see those who disagree with us, when we see those who would try to persecute us, when we see those that resist us, sympathy and empathy guide our understanding of the position that they're in. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And there's the difference. There's the difference. You have made the choice You have made the choice to honor God with your life. You have made the choice to follow after God. And since you've made the choice to honor God with your life, and since you've made the choice to follow after God in your life, continue. Continue in what you have learned, which means this doesn't come naturally to us, it isn't just automatic. There has to be a process. There has to be a process of gaining information, of gaining knowledge. None of this is automatic, and we must continue in this process. That if we're going to honor God with our lives, if we're going to follow after Jesus, we need to continue to learn things. We need to continue in the knowledge of what we've already learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And here's this, here's this incredibly important piece in all of our spiritual development, and that's relationship. We see an incredibly important piece in all of our spiritual development right here, and that piece is relationship, knowing from whom you learned it. And this is why mentorship is so important. It's absolutely vital for you to have somebody in your life who's mentoring you, to have somebody who's gone before you, who has somebody who's who's been there, who knows more than you, who's experienced what you're experiencing, who can give you insight and who can answer those questions and who can point you to places. And if you don't have that as part of your life, if you don't have a, a, a person or a group of a small handful of people in your life speaking into areas to help you grow and help you develop, then I I can't challenge you enough to find those people. And, And if you're going to do that, the worst question in the world that you can ask somebody is, hey, would you mentor me? I mean, that's the worst question in the world. Because chances are, if you think that highly of that person, other people do too, and they've accomplished something. And so they probably don't have a lot of extra time in their life. And if you walk up to them and say, hey, would you mentor me? What you've just done is said, hey, I need you to take me under your wing, and I need you to guide everything that we do, and I need you to make a giant time commitment to this. And even if they love you and want the best for you, chances are they probably don't have that margin in their life. So what I'd encourage you to do, instead of just going up with a blanket, hey, would you mentor me, is approach somebody and say, hey, I recognize that you've been incredibly successful or knowledgeable in this area. And here are three questions that I would love to ask you. Would you have time to maybe grab coffee, grab lunch? Could I send you an email and, and hear your response to these things? And chances are, if you present it that way, they're going to be more than happy to answer those three questions. And then if they give you action steps, take the action steps and follow up and let them know how it goes. Similarly, as you grow, as you have knowledge, as you have, as you, as you have gained Gained wisdom. Be pouring into the next generation. Be pouring into people who who haven't arrived yet and who have those questions. Don't just keep it to yourself, but be pouring into the next generation as well. And here, I mean, this is a universal principle, but it's certainly applicable. It's certainly applicable in terms of scripture and in terms of spiritual development as well. And this is what we see here. In then, in the realm of spiritual development, this is exactly what has happened between the Apostle Paul and Timothy, to whom he's writing this letter. And he says, Hey, remember what you've already learned and remember, remember it, believe it. You firmly believed it and remember who you learned it from. Remember who you learned it from. Pour into other people, pour into others. Don't keep it for yourself, pour into others others and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. And here we see just once again another place in scripture where we see the principle of how vitally important it is to raise our kids in light of in light of God's truth, to raise our kids in light of reminding them that God created them, that he loves them, that that God cares about them, that God has saved them through what Jesus has done and that's available to them if they would would ask and if they would follow after God. And this is one of the reasons why we put a high emphasis on what happens down that hall in Lakeside Kids and Lakeside Littles and we recognize at the church it is not our primary responsibility. It is not our primary responsibility for the spiritual development of your kids and your grandkids. That's your job and your responsibility. But Nevertheless, we understand that parenting and grandparenting is incredibly hard and we celebrate you and we want to step with you every step of the journey that we possibly can. And so we want to assist you in that development. We want to celebrate you as you go about training your kid in those things and teaching them about those truths. We want to reinforce those truths. We want to celebrate you as the parent and the job that you're doing. And we want to we applaud you and we want to assist you any way that we possibly can because we recognize just how hard this job is. And yet it's vitally important. It's vitally important to be training our kids according to the truth and to remind them who God says they are and who God created them to be. So that's why we'd love to link arms with you. We love to celebrate what you do, but we don't view it as it's our job, so you get out of the way. Just the opposite. We know that it's your job, but we are here to celebrate you and help you every step that we possibly can. And so if there's a way that we can help the spiritual development of your kids or your grandkids, let us know. Let us know how we can best link arms with you and come around you and celebrate the job and responsibility that you have as parents. We celebrate you and we want to help you any step, any step of the way that we possibly can because we recognize how vitally important this is. And then we arrive here where all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That all Scripture originates from God. All of Scripture is... is is originally from God. Now, God used human authors and their own personalities to record the words of God, but all Scripture is ultimately from God, and that's what gives it its power. The Scripture is not a collection of opinion. Scripture is not just a collection of of wisdom or a or historical accounts from humans, but scripture is ultimately from God. Yes, God chose to utilize human authors in their distinct personalities, but God is the ultimate author of all of scripture. That's why scripture is so vital, and it's why it's so powerfully impactful, that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Teaching, reproof. Now, I recognize reproof's probably not a word you go around utilizing a lot, uh, but it means critique. So to be clear, Scripture, which originates from God, and all Scripture is from God, a theological way of saying it is all Scripture is God-breathed, that God is the, the ultimate author of Scripture, and the value of Scripture, we're told here, is for teaching, for critique, for correction, and for training. I don't know about you, but this list doesn't sound very fun. A couple years ago, from the gift of COVID, we got to, we got to be homeschool parents for a little while, and, and we did it through the school system. That was just our choice, but we, we sat down with our kids, and one of the lessons was math. And I learned math. You put one number over top another number, and you add it up, or you subtract it, and that's how I learned math. And our, our son brought home math, and it's nothing like I ever saw. I mean, we're, we're talking lines and circles and squares and diagrams, and I'm like, I, I don't know how to do this. I, I legit don't know how to do this, and, and I thought there was going to be an all-out war in our house over division one day. I mean, it just it was getting ugly. And fa- finally, I just had to say, listen, listen, Mom's the teacher and I'm the principal, and you don't want to get sent to the principal's office. Like that's, that's how I solved it because I, I didn't know I don't know how to do the kid's math homework. I have no idea what what was going on. It was way over my head. That's not at all how I learned it. Now, the process of teaching there, the process of learning there is not fun. But the end result, the knowledge, it's absolutely essential. It's absolutely essential that he understands how to do the, those math problems. It's absolutely essential that he understands the principles that that math homework was trying to get across. The process of learning it, not fun. I don't know about you, but I've never really received a, a critique from somebody and been like, oh, that's fantastic. Give me more. Yes, please. This is awesome. But what does Scripture tell us? That wounds from a friend can be trusted. How much more so when the God who created us, who loves us, who desires a relationship with us, who has changed us, how much more so when the words of critique are from him. But we don't like to hear that right away. That's not fun, and it's not pleasant. But it's essential. Correction. How many of you love to be grounded or, or spanked when you were a kid before your parents would go to jail if they spanked you, right? Like, how many of you are like, ooh, this is fun? Not, not fun, but necessary. And tra- Now, now training is kind of where this analogy falls apart because some of you want to run marathons, and I just don't understand you. I'm sorry, I love you, I just don't get it. Let's go run 20-plus miles for fun. I don't get that. So some of you are like, yeah, training's awesome. But most people, most people are like, oh, this is miserable. But the end result, health, that's essential. All Scripture originates from God. And it might shine a light into some dark areas of our lives. And it might shine a light into some dark areas of our soul. And it might make us uncomfortable. And it might not always be pleasant. It might not always be fun. But the end result, the end result is essential. And verse 17 goes on to tell us that the man of God may be complete, equipped, every good work what's the end result of this why does why does God do this so that we would be transformed that we would experience transformation and we would be ready to then go impact others as well that we ourselves would be transformed and we would go impact others as well now let's talk about the practical implications of this because all Scripture originates from God. And I'm about to make a statement, and I want you to listen very carefully, because this could lead to confusion, and I don't want it to lead to confusion. I, I want to be crystal clear on this, but, but I just understand that at the outset, it, it, it might raise the hair on the back of your neck a little bit. You might be like heretic, but just hear me out. All Scripture is equally inspired. That means all Scripture is, is God's the author of. All Scripture is equally inspired, but it's not equally applicable. All Scripture is equally inspired, but all Scripture is not equally applicable in our day-to-day lives, and there, therein lies a problem. And I know the reason that we're talking about this is because some of you, have, have with great intention, with great intention, have started out the year, and you said, "I'm going to read through the whole Bible this year," and then whether it's a chronological look at reading through the whole Bible, or whether it's just starting Genesis and work all your way through Revelation what happens? You hit February, you hit Leviticus, and you're done. The plan's over. Now why does that happen? Because Leviticus, Leviticus is inspired. All scripture is God breathed. But there are parts of Leviticus that are not applicable to our spiritual journey today. So while all scripture, yes, every part of Leviticus is inspired by God, All of Leviticus comes from God. Not all of Leviticus is is equally applicable in our lives today. It'd be like handing a third grader the terms and conditions of the latest app that they want to download on their device or their parents' device and say, here, start reading this and comprehend this. Or Numbers, you get to Numbers. And part of numbers seems like you're reading just a random list of names from Ancestry.com. And I recognize that there are some people that are excited about that. My sister and I went to Ellis Island one year with our parents. And my mom could have spent all day there just reading random immigrants' names. My sister and I are like, when's the next ferry out of here? This is miserable. We don't care about the random immigrants' names. But some people are, are just like that, and they're excited about that. But for most people, you read parts of numbers, and you're like, Who are these people? And why are these names here? Well, the reason that the names are there is because the Bible happens in a true historical time, and it gives us context of lineages, and it gives us context of the historical time, and it it helps us trace all these things. But if you're new in your spiritual journey and you find yourself reading these things, it's way over your head, and that's okay. That's okay. Yes, every single name written in Scripture is inspired by God, but it's not equally applicable to our lives. But they're included because they ultimately serve a purpose and they help our understanding. They are important. So, What we're about to talk about right now, some of you, you've got this down, you've been doing this for 50, 60, 70 years. And what I'd encourage you to do over the course of these next couple minutes is not just tune me out, but what I encourage you to do over the course of these next couple minutes is just to pray. To pray for somebody that that this is new to, that they would latch on to this and that they would actually put this into practice in their lives. And if engaging with Scripture is hard for you, if it's difficult for you, I'm really going to challenge you. Listen and, and take some notes right now, but try to put this into practice in your life. This has the power to, I really believe, enhance your spiritual journey in a really powerful way. And that is this. When you read Scripture... When you read scripture, I want you to practice something called observation, interpretation, application. Observation, interpretation, application. And if you're, if you're from the outside looking in or if you're brand new to this, I know that this can sound kind of foreign. I know that this can sound kind of complex. So let's just break it down. Here's what observation is. Who, where, when. Who, where, when. Interpretation, what and why. Application, how. How. So basically put yourself in the role of a reporter where you just have to ask questions and you have to learn knowledge. And we're gonna walk through this, we're gonna walk through this together right now. First on a very basic level, then we're gonna go a little bit, a little bit deeper, but not, not super in depth. But 2 Timothy 3, 12 to 13, let's revisit those first couple verses that we looked at today and walk through this together. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Well, evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So at a very basic level, if, if studying scripture is brand new to you, if this is not a spiritual discipline that's part of your practice, if this isn't a part of your world right now, then here's what I want you to do. Make sure that this is make sure that this is something that you start to do. If you're brand new to it, maybe utilize the Bible app verse of the day. If you have a traditional Bible, I'd encourage you to go to the New Testament and start in the book of Mark or James, something along those lines, and just put these things into practice. But in light of the couple verses that we just read, let's do some observation, interpretation, application. Observation, who? All who desire to live a godly life. All who desire to live a godly life. Let's move on to interpretation what well all who desire to live a godly life will face persecution you will face persecution why well there are evil people and evil people are deceivers and are they themselves deceived and now let's move to the application piece of this how How do we do this? How do we live a godly life in light of the fact that we'll face persecution, in light of the fact that evil people are deceivers and themselves deceived? How do we do it? And the answer is ignore the noise, remembering what we've learned from Scripture. And that's why last week we passed these out and made these available to every kid of the Lakeside Kids and Lakeside Littles. And and we handed out even more today, and there was a run on them, so we only have a couple left. But if your kids and your grandkids didn't pick one of these up last week, I'm encouraging you, take Take it. Take it. The frames are yours. Like, take them. Utilize them. Because all of these statements, all of these statements are true, and they're profound. And the reason that they're true is not because we're just trying to encourage your kids But the reason that they're true is because every one of these statements comes directly from God Himself. That's why they matter. That's why they have power. That's why they're impactful. Because all these statements come from God. And they serve as a reminder. We we want to be filling our minds with what God says about us. With what our Creator says about us. The Creator who loves us and desires a relationship with us. And so there's just a few copies left out there. But if you want a copy for your kids and your grandkids and all the frames are gone, then contact us and we'll get you a copy of it. If you just want a copy for yourself to remind you who God says you are and what he says about you, then you take it as well. And if we're out of them, just contact us and we'll make more of these available to you. Now, this is just, this is just very basic level right here. That's just a basic level. You can do that again with the Bible app verse of the day. You can do that uh, in a traditional Bible, through what you're reading through. By the way, if you want a traditional Bible and you don't have one, we have those available to you as our gift to you. There's no cost. There's no fee associated with that. All that's possible because of the generous support of people to Lakeside. It's just one of the ways that we can help, but if you want a traditional Bible, it's yours. Don't worry. It doesn't have Lakeside Community Church stamped on it, so you feel like a thief every time you open it, and then there's some like guilt thing going on. You don't have to worry about that. It's our gift to you. Just come talk to me afterwards. We'd love to send you home with that if you want that. Again, the Bible app is a free resource that you can download at any time in the App Store of your choosing. Now, let's say you've, you've been doing this for a while, and, and you get the basics, but you want to go, go a little bit further. You want to go to a little bit deeper level. Let's break it down now. Who? Well, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is writing this to his spiritual son, Timothy. Where? Well, Timothy's a pastor in Ephesus, the same church where the book of Ephesians was written to. Timothy's a pastor there in Ephesus. And where's Paul? Well, Paul's in prison in Rome while he writes these words. When did he write them? Between 66 AD and 70 AD, 35 to 40 years after Jesus has risen from the dead and appeared to over 500 witnesses and gone back to heaven. What? Well, there's spiritual opposition. Why? Evil imposters and the worsening human condition. How? Prepare for persecution. Find your identity in Jesus. Study who Jesus said we are. Study what God has said about us. Go and do a word study and a word search. And, and all of this is available, all these things are available to you in a good study Bible. And so if you don't have if you don't have a good study Bible, I'd encourage you. There there's over 50, 100 of these available on the market now. It's a, this is just a great resource. If you need to know where to start looking, send us an email. We're here to help you in your spiritual journey, and we'd love to send you a couple starting points. This is mine from middle school. It's I mean, it's seen some, you know, some better days, but I don't know, I kind of hope your pastor's study Bible (laughs) looks a little bit like that. But it's got thousands, thousands of notes available in here. It's got introductions to the books. And if you're like, hey, that sounds really cool, but you're tight on finances or something along those lines, there's a free study Bible available to you with literally thousands of incredible notes, introductions to books. It's at netbible.org. It's, a, it's available for free on any device that you want. More notes than you can even wrap your mind around at netbible.org. They also offer a, a printed version. There is a fee for the printed versions as well. But the online version is completely free, netbible.org. Say so you want to dive in even deeper level, you can do word searches. You can see where, where words appeared everywhere in Scripture, there's a there's a small concordance in most study Bibles in the back. You can buy a full concordance that every word in the Bible does that. Or you can go on your device to Blue Letter Bible. Blue Letter Bible is a free resource in the app store. And this is this is an amazing tool, an amazing tool that has concordances that shows you where all the words in scripture are, that has cross-references that show you where one verse plays off another verse. It has lexicons. Now, what a lexicon is is Scripture wasn't originally written in English. The Old Testament was originally written primarily in Hebrew. There's a couple sections that were written in Aramaic, and the New Testament's written in Greek. So the lexicon shows us where every word, what it ultimately meant at the time of the writing, and again, all of this is available to you for free in Blue Letter Bible, in, in the app The Blue Letter Bible. Now, why does all of this matter, and why is all this important? Well, Hebrews tells us the answer to that. Hebrews 4 tells us this, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. One day we will all stand before God and give an account. For our lives. And whether or not we made that choice and that decision to follow after God. Whether or not we made the decision to try to honor God with our conduct and with our lives. And God has given us the tool to understand the heart of our creator. And never in, never in history has it been more accessible and more available. And the challenge for us. And sometimes it's going to be painful. And sometimes it's going to hurt. But to tie in with the heart of our creator and recognize the life and relationship with us that God wants to experience. God, I pray that we would value what Scripture says. I pray that we would recognize and remember that it's all ultimately from you. And God, that even in the moments where it isn't fun or isn't pleasant, we would be people who desire to hear from you, to understand the heart of you, God. So I I pray, God, that we would be people that in our pursuit of growing closer to you, that we would put an emphasis on understanding you, conforming our lives to how you want our lives to look, God, that we would follow you. And in order to do that, we first have to know you. Thank you for making your heart for us and to us accessible. And I pray, God, that we wouldn't see this as an obligation, but we'd see it as an incredible opportunity to grow closer to you. and your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.